You know, we sang a song this morning. We sang a few songs, actually. But um, <laughs> we sang the star song. And it's, if the stars were made to worship, so will I. If the mountains bow in reverence, so will I. If the oceans roar your greatness, so will I. For everything exists to lift you high, so will I. If the wind goes where you send it, so will I. And if the rocks cry out in silence, don't ask me why I'm crying, but I am, so will I. <laughs> if the sum of all our praises still falls shy, then we'll sing a hundred billion times. And the last, I think it's the last verse, yeah. The last verse is, as you speak, a hundred billion failures disappear where you lost your life so I could find it here. If you left the grave behind, so will I. I can see your heart in everything you've done, every part designed in a work of art called love. If you gladly chose surrender, so will I. I can see your heart in a billion different ways, every precious one a child you died to save. If you gave your life to love them, so will I. You sang and you made a declaration this morning. You said and you sang something back to the Father this morning that actually, whether or not you were realizing it, you were aligning yourself with the will of God. The song that heaven sang this morning to say, so will I. As a son and a daughter of God, so will I. I will lay down my life. I will worship you. I will choose to see your heart in everything. As we were getting ready this morning, and um, I was kind of, we were in, in, even in the prayer room, I just had this thing that Jesus was in a workshop and he was preparing. He's preparing something great. And even in the worship this morning, I was just, you know, the song of my heart was make way, make way. Make way for the King of Kings. Make way for the Lord of Lords. Because 1 Corinthians 2 says, No eye has seen or ear has heard what God has in store for those who love him. And I want you to know this morning that as we go into the word that he's preparing something for you. He's got something prepared actually. It's not even he's preparing, he's prepared. And he's wanting to share it with you this morning. He's got something for each one of you. My question to you is, are you willing to receive what he's got for you this morning? When I first started getting ready for this preach, I, um, you know, I was talking to the Lord about what it was that he was wanting to share and, and he said to me, what if? And I was a bit like, what? <laughs> One of my favorite quotes that I had it up on my wall for quite a while was, what if I fall? But, oh, but my darling, what if you fly? What if it's kind of like a hypothetical question or something you might pose in hindsight? If you Google it, there's a travel site called What If, and there's a whole heap of pessimistic and or optimistic blogs and blurbs and quotes and pictures of what if. So the question that I want to ask you this morning, and I want you to write it down, and if you haven't got a pen or a phone or something like that, then I've got a, a stack of pictures, not a pictures, stack of paper and some pens if you want to come and grab one. But I want you to write this down. What is the greatest thing that you need to know or believe God for today? Adrian's taking all the pens. He wants to write 30 at once. 
<laughs> Chris is going, do you want a sticky note? If you want to get creative, I've even got pegs. You can write it on a peg and click it to yourself. That question again, what is the greatest thing you need to know or believe God for today? And as I began to prepare and I began to talk to the Lord, I was like, okay, so what is this, Lord? And I wrote down a big long list of what ifs. And after I'd done that, he gave me three different things which we're going to go through really quickly. This is where we get interactive. Question. What's the theme for City Light Church in 2018? There is a chuppa chup on the line. Wendy. No. Oh, quick. She nearly got one. Sorry. No. Jason's got it. Give him a round of applause. So question, how are you going with that? Some of you not so good because we don't know what it is, Bob. I mean <laughs> Intentional. Intentional. In February, I think it was late February, Pastor Jude and Becky came in and they gave us a phrase, rewind your brain. He got, it to, he got you to say it an awful lot of times. What was it? Come on, Wendy. Yes, come on. Believe big um, and something else. Live big. Think big, dream big and live big. I forgot to take my chopper chops with me. All right, come on, let's say it. Think big, dream big, live big. Awesome. Next question, youth, you're on the line. Who was that that I was preaching about in the youth service the other week? Whose life did we take out and look at? Oh, it was Daniel. Go, Jed. Woohoo! You see, they're the things that the Lord said to me to have a look at again. And to be honest, I'm glad He gave that to me a couple of weeks back because the last couple of weeks it's been like wading through like a muddy swamp trying to get this to come together. But in the question of what if, and in the question of what is the greatest thing you need to know or believe God for today, I want to run through a few people who faced a few situations throughout the Bible. And we're going to start with Daniel. So if you've got a Bible with you, go to the book of Daniel. It's towards the end of the Old Testament if you've got an old-fashioned Bible. And if you've got one on an app, find it. But Daniel was... Him and his friends got called out in a time that the nation of Israel was under, well, they're just in a bit of a hard spot, and under the rule of a, a king. And these four young men who were about 16 years of age got called out to go and be in the king's court but Daniel and his friends resolved not to defile themselves with the royal food and wine they purposed in their hearts they intentionally moved themselves and removed themselves from the culture of the day and said you know what we want to follow God they purposed in their hearts to live a life set apart for God in the midst of a culture that was very decadent. And God honoured them in that choice. They knew and believed who God said he was. And in chapter 3, as you zip through, because we haven't got time to go into it too far, but in chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego find themselves in a bit of a spot a bit of a situation in which they're told that they need to bow down and worship, but not the true God. King Nebuchadnezzar had made an image of himself and he wanted everyone to worship him. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. 
So they find themselves getting thrown into the fire. A fire that was so hot that it killed the blokes that put them in there. They were bound up, they were thrown into the fire and suddenly there's four, not three blokes wandering around inside the fire. Amazingly, they come out, they're not burnt, they're not singed, they don't even smell of smoke. And the king, Nebuchadnezzar, says, surely your God is the God of all gods. They made a choice. They intentionally set their hearts to follow God. Another couple of chapters through in chapter 6, Daniel then finds himself, in you know, however many years have passed on by and a couple of kings have come and gone, they find them, Daniel finds himself under the rule and reign of King Darius. And people were trying to find a way to pull this guy down because he was so honourable. How many have ever seen that in Australian culture? Where someone, a man or a woman of integrity, people try and pull down and find a way to cause them to stumble. That's what happened to Daniel. People were trying to trip him up. So they made, had the king create a decree that was that at a certain time, at a certain time of day, had to worship. And Daniel took himself aside and took himself, as he always had done, and prayed to God, the king of the universe, the creator of all, not what the culture was saying to do. And lo and behold, these guys are like, he's doing it again. He's praying to his God. And they hoik him off before the king. And he ends up in a lion's den. King Darius wasn't really intending that to be the way that it rolled, but it did. But Daniel confidently Got, well, got thrown into the lion's den and the king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. This disturbed the king so much. He didn't sleep, he didn't ask for music, all the normal things that a king would ask for. But the next morning, as Darius goes down to find out, is Daniel still alive? Daniel responds, May the king live forever. forever. My God sent an angel and he has shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. And, And Daniel comes out and again the king proclaims that God is the God of all gods and that he should be worshipped. Daniel was, they were all faced with a situation. How many of you face situations today? How many of you face situations during the week? You're like, I don't know what to do. Let me tell you about some other guys out of 2 Kings number 7. There's a city under siege, meaning it's all locked up. And there's these four lepers sitting outside of the city. They're faced with a situation. First of all, they're lepers. That's a bit of an issue in itself. But they're sitting out of this city waiting to die. And they've got three options. They can either just sit there and die. They can get into the city that's all locked up and in famine and and a whole heap of stuff and, and die. Or they can get up and hike over to the enemy camp and see what happens. What do you reckon they did? They hiked to the camp. And as they're on their way to the enemy camp, something remarkable happens. As they got up and moved, God caused a sound like an enormous army coming and the entire enemy camp ups and leaves. The lepers walked into a place of abundance beyond their wildest dreams and are having their own little party in the middle of this enemy camp that's now got food and jewels and everything that the enemy camp had. Um, And then they sort of started stashing stuff away and they felt bad. They went back to the city and told the king who first didn't even believe them, thinking it was an enemy trick. But these four guys, because they got up and made a choice when faced with a situation, 
saved an entire nation and city. What if they hadn't? Let me tell you about another guy out of Mark 10. We call it blind Bartimaeus, but really he wasn't blind because Jesus healed him. But, you know, he's sitting on a roadside and he hears that Jesus is coming and he starts to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And people are like, shh, just shh. Because beggars, he was blind, he would have been a beggar. He was like pushed to the back within society. And Jesus, so as he's been told to shush, he shouts louder. In the midst of a situation that he's faced with, instead of being oppressed, instead of being pushed back, instead of retreating, he comes forth and he shouts louder. And he gets Jesus' attention and Jesus says, get him over here. And Jesus says to him, what do you want? Actually, let me rewind. As Jesus calls him out, he throws off his cloak. And a bit like we were just, I was just saying before, you know, the old's coming out of here and there's something new coming in. But just like Bart knew, you've got to get the old off before you can come before the king and meet the new. Jesus says to him, what do you want? He says, I just want to see. And Jesus says to him, your faith has healed you. And immediately he got vision and he follows Jesus. How cool is that? All right. He's faced with the situation. What if he hadn't have called out that day? What if he'd listened to the voices that were around him telling him to be quiet? What if he hadn't shouted louder? But he did when faced with the situation and he got it changed. He got transformation. He got breakthrough. Faced with the situation in Luke chapter 8, there's a woman with the issue of blood. I love this story. And part of the reason I love this story is because it's kind of like a miracle within a miracle, the story of a miracle. In the middle of the story of Jairus and his daughter, we find this woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. Now, I don't know about the blokes, but the women understand this would not have been a nice experience. No one could heal her. No one could heal her. Imagine that. Faced with that situation, the desperation, the devastation. Faced with a situation where the doctors are like, sorry, can't do anything. Culturally, she would have been totally kicked out and shunned because it, it was, it, she would have been seen unclean. And Jesus is on his way to go and see Jairus' daughter. And she comes up to Jesus from within the crowd behind him as he's on his way and stretches through the crowd and touches the hem of his garment and she's immediately healed. Imagine for a minute, how would you know? How would she know immediately she was healed? And Jesus turns around and says, who touched me? And Peter's kind of like, uh, duh, there's heaps of people around you. Could have been anyone. There's, you know. And Jesus says, I know someone did because power went out from me. And after nobody responding, the woman comes forward. I don't know what it would have been like to be that woman, but let me tell you, it would have been pretty daunting, I think. But again, she's faced with this situation. Does she come forward or does she not come forward? What if she didn't come forward? And Jesus says to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Then, you know, following that, you've got Jairus, the story of Jairus' daughter. Was it that because Jesus stopped and interacted with this woman that Jairus' daughter died? Was it that she would have died anyway? But all Jesus says to Jairus is, have faith and believe. And this young girl, who was dead by then, 
he raises. What if Jairus hadn't have gone to Jesus that day? There's so many other stories within the word. Ruth with Naomi. What if she hadn't have aligned, have, had aligned herself with Naomi? What about the boy with the five loaves and the two fishes who just happens to be in this crowd of 5,000 plus people and, and he's got his lunch? Imagine him going home that day and saying, hey, mum, guess what happened today? I gave my lunch to this bloke and he made it go on and on and on and on. Fed 5,000 men, not including the women and the children. What if he hadn't have done that that day? Imagine the change and the transformation that would have happened in that boy's life because of what he did when he gave over his lunch to Jesus. What about Peter? Have you ever checked him out in the Bible? He's a crack up. He's called the sons of th- one of the sons of thunder. Which we kind of go, okay, he was cranky. Had a temper. He had Jesus rebuke him and tell him, get behind me, Satan. He also identified Jesus as the Messiah. He jumps out of a boat and walks on water. He preaches fire on the day of Pentecost and writes books in the Bible. What if he hadn't have chosen to follow Jesus? What if the first time that Jesus knocked him and and molded him, shaped him a little bit, he walked away? Who would have bought the word on the day of Pentecost after Jesus had died and risen from the dead and they'd been hanging out in Jerusalem for 50 days waiting for that which Jesus said was coming? Whole nations were faced with situations in the Bible. Question, as a nation, what's the greatest thing we need from God today? The nation of Australia. Now for the last 100 and, hang on, let me get this right. Nearly 170 days, I think. Oh, it doesn't tell me. For nearly 170 days at 7 o'clock every night, my phone has a reminder that pops up and it says pray for Australia. And that's part of Awakening Australia that's happening in a month and a little bit's time. What do we as a nation need? What if we all stepped into that place and continued to pray for our nation? What if we all in unity prayed for health, for healing, for breakthrough, for godly, righteous men and women to rule and reign in our nation? What if we believed that families would be changed and transformed? What if we believed that the streets were alive with revival? What if through the prayers that we decided to pray from this day forward was the sound of revival that God is calling on us to come with? But wherever he's disappeared to, I know has been praying for revival for years and years and years and years and it's coming. The Church of Australia is getting up and on her feet. Are you a part of that? Are you willing to make that sacrifice and be a part of that? The nation of Israel was faced with a situation. Moses had died. They're about to cross. Joshua had taken up reins. They're about to cross over. Cross over the Jordan into the promised land. I've stood on the, the banks of the Jordan when it's not flood season. Doesn't look that daunting, but in flood season, pretty daunting. They're faced with a situation. God had given a list of instructions to Joshua of what he should do, but they actually had to follow through on it. God gives us a line of instructions or a set of ways to live in the Word. We've actually got to pick those up and walk them out on a day-to-day, moment-by-moment, situation-to-situation way. They step into the Jordan... The river stops as they step out. Full flood. Think about the floods we had back in here in May. Just down here was like, (laughs) 
Just coming down 150 Redwood Road was a flood in itself, let alone some of the other areas where we watched water just take out. Would you really have wanted to step and take a whole nation across that? But they did, and as the first priest puts his foot in to the water, God banks up the water, however many miles back up the, up the river, so that they can cross over. They get into that place, worship God, and then they've got to take down a city that's all locked up. And they do that, faced with a situation. What if they hadn't have done that? What if they'd got into the promised land? Or what if they'd never even crossed into the promised land? But they did. They put their hope and their faith and their trust in God. And they stepped out and purposed themselves and they stepped into that which God had planned for them. I was talking with Kiri about it yesterday, you know, one of our, our favourite um, <laughs> chapters in the book of Second Chronicles is chapter 20. You know, I was reading that yesterday and I tell you, I've read that chapter more times than I can count. Do you know which one it is? It's where King Jehoshaphat is faced with a situation. He's got enemies all around him, surrounding him. And I was saying to Kiri, you know what, I've read this however many times and I did not see in the way that I did yesterday morning that in chapter 20, verse 16, it says, tomorrow march down against them. They will be climbing by the pass of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. And, and so Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat takes that word and they, you know, they go down and they worship God and, and uh, then get up the next morning and go and worship God and, and God does sets all this ambush against the different enemies that are coming against them and, and victory. Victory because God set an ambush. God moved on their behalf as they stepped in and they worshipped God. But the thing that stood out to me was that God gave them the time, the strategy, where the enemy was going to be, what they needed to do when they were faced in a situation. And I really believe that this morning, some of you need to hear that in the situations that we face on a day-to-day -day level, or it might be month by month, and it might be, have been years that you've been facing a situation, as you go to God, as you seek Him, He will give you the time, the season, the strategy, and the assurance, and the strength to stand firm. And know that God will deliver you. Question. What if you dared to believe? What if you dared to take God at his word? And as I was preparing, I was like, Lord, why am I doing this message now? And he said to me, because I'm setting you up for the end of the year, City Light Church. Today is the end of September, believe it or not. Tomorrow we step into the 1st of October, which is a marvellous day because I get to celebrate 16 years of Zachary being born and Danielle gets to celebrate her third 21st birthday or something like that. Um, but, you know, how old is she, Jono? Uh, 21? There she is. But there is three months of our year left in 2018. Three months of the year in which God is, is asking you to be intentional, to set your heart and to purpose yourself before him. There is three months left of this year to think big, dream big, live big. Will you make space? Will you make space in your life to allow him to make way for what he wants to bring. He said to me, I'm setting up for the end of the year, the next three months. I'm aligning for breakthrough as you head into 2019. 
I'm going to bring pinpoint precision in the specific areas that I'm taking you into and assignments that I have for individuals and the body of City Light that need to be accurate, purposed and prepared. I don't want to live a life of mediocrity. I don't want to live a life where I get up, I'm like, hi, Jesus, night, Jesus, and everything else that goes in between. I want to live a life where I see the power of God, the transformational power of God working and operating within people's lives. I want to see signs, wonders, and miracles. Jesus said that we would do greater things than what he did. Think about that. He opened blind eyes, raised people from the dead, had mute people speak, had, um, what are these things? <laughs> Ears opened. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> he said we would do greater. Am I talking to people that are alive out there this morning? Do you want that? This is the list that I made. What if you dared to believe that faith can move mountains? That God does fight for you. That he does care for you. That his mercies are new every morning. That the God of the impossible is. What if you believed that the supernatural realm was not just something we talked about, but something that you lived and worked and aligned your life in? What if you dared to believe that you walk as Jesus walked, that love does conquer all, that the Holy Spirit is your comforter, that he, God is your provider, that the resurrection power of Christ lives within you? What if you dared to believe that by his stripes you are healed, that his name is the name above all names and that the authority that you have, not that Adrian and Robin or I have, but the authority that you have in him gives you the right to walk in the authority and the dominion that he gave us in Genesis. And then again, throughout different parts of the Bible, to walk in blessing and not curse, to walk in life and not death. What if you dare to believe that he is your breakthrough, that his grace is sufficient for you? What if you dare to believe that as for you and your household, your street, that they will serve the Lord? What if you dare to believe that God is your shelter, your defender, your wraparound shield and a place of safety? What if you believed that he's your rest? The word talks really clearly about finding rest in him. The word talks really clearly about not being anxious for anything. I get anxious from time to time, but I know that Jesus is my rest. And sometimes there's a fight to stay in that place. But someone, someone needs to know Jesus is your rest. He's your peace, he's your comfort, he's your strength. What if you believed on earth as it is in heaven. What if you believed that actually the prayers that you pray over your family, your street, your school, your business, your marriage, your nation actually are bringing about change and transformation? What if you made a declaration with your mouth and continue to declare it 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 until it came to pass instead of making a declaration with your mouth and then going, oh, maybe not. Because what happens is we start declaring the word of God. We start declaring the word that God has given us. We start declaring the promises that he has for us. But then a situation comes up and we're faced with it and we're like, oh, maybe that wasn't right. Check out David. He knew God. God trained him in those fields and those pastures with those sheeps. Those sheep. Sheep. <laughs> God trained him as he fought a lion and a bear. And then he's faced with a situation. 
I remember a number of years ago, I was part of Shout, which was a community kids outreach that we did. We had um, Gareth Park did a life-size Goliath for us, and he hung over there. How many remember that? He was mighty large. Mighty large. I would not want to go up against him. David did not flinch because he knew. He knew his God was with him. He knew that God was for him. He knew that giant was not supposed to be in that land and that land belonged to the Israelites and he was taking that giant down. What giant are you facing this morning? What giant do you need to say, "Uh uh-uh, not on this watch, you're coming down? Because we all face them. It's how you set your heart. Who and what you align yourself with. Are you aligning yourself with faith or are you aligning yourself with fear? Are you aligning yourself with the truth of the word of God or the facts of a circumstance? And I'm not denying in any way, shape or form that circumstances are not hard. I understand hard circumstances. But I do know that my God is big. I do know that my God is victorious. I do know that I am called to be an overcomer. I do know that as I walk in the truth and the life and the light of God, that victory is mine because if God is for me, then nothing will stand against me. And that is the same for me as it is the same for you. You carry the voice of your breakthrough. Let me say it again. You carry the voice. The sound of your voice is what is needed for your breakthrough. You can have people stand alongside you. You can have people hold up your arms. You can have people push you forward in prayer, walk the road with you. But you are the one that God has given the authority to, to speak to that giant and tell it to move. To speak to that mountain, tell it to move. You are the one that has the authority to do that. You are a child of God. Something I have thought on time and time again, and I'm sorry, music team, you're hearing it again. But in Genesis 1:23, it says that we are made in the likeness and the image of God. That's not just me. That's you. You are made in the likeness and the image of God to have dominion, to have authority. And as I've thought about this for week on week on week, because God just keeps talking to me about it. Just as he is love, so am I. I am made in his image. Just as he is peace, so am I. Just as he is joy, so am I. Because I'm made in his image, so are you. But just as he is majestic, so are you. Just as he is powerful and splendorous, so are you. Just as he is over all, so are you in him. Hear that. In him. Not in your own might, not in your own power, not in your own strength. In his. Just as he is creative, so are you. Just as he is compassionate, so are you. And it's as we begin to sound the same sound as heaven, sing the same song and make the same declaration of what God is singing and saying and sounding in heaven, and we bring it down into earth and align ourselves with that, that there will be change, there will be transformation, there will be breakthrough, there will be a disarming and a dislodging of the powers of darkness. Because if you continue to walk forward and continue to declare life and you continue to declare truth with your mouth, God will move on your behalf, just as he did for Israel, just as he did for Joshua, 
just as he did for Bartimaeus and the woman with the issue of blood because they came in, they reached out, they stretched forth, they believed. What if you believe this morning and took God at his word? What is the greatest thing you need to know and believe God for today? And as the Lord was, I was throwing that around with the Lord. I just had this picture of soldiers of an army getting up and activating that and moving forward. From the youngest to the oldest, God wants to do something in this place. Soldiers, when they're in battle, they move forward and they press on. They push through. They work together. We can press forward knowing that God is for us and he holds the victory. I saw this fantastic quote from Christine Kane this week and she says, you know you've grown when you remember that your God is big enough to fill the heavens and the earth and the devil is small enough to fit under your feet. Someone needs to stomp their feet this morning and remind the devil he's under there because you are a child of dominion and authority. You are a child of God. You are a son and a daughter of the Most High. Victory is yours and your God is fighting for you. Join forces with him because he wants to take you, but he wants to take us. He wants us to purpose and position ourselves and intentionally move forward in him so that by the time we hit January 2019, whatever he's doing, there's going to be an outbreaking of him in a way we have not seen or known or understood for quite some time. So are you ready, City Light Church? Are you ready? Because it takes determination. It takes purpose, like Daniel. Do not look back. Check out what happened to Lot's wife when she went backwards. And Paul says, press on. Seek God for the strategy of what you need God for the most today. How many of you written down what you need to do? Or what you need God for or believe God for? Come on, you bunch of slackers. Let's go. There should be 100% in this room. If you haven't, do so because I want to do something just in the last couple of minutes. I want to activate this because, you know, often I think we can hear a word, go, oh, that was okay. I might do something about that. And by Wednesday, you can't even remember what it was about. I was saying to Adrian the other day, people are three times more likely to remember the worship service, like the songs, what songs you sing on a Sunday morning than you are the preaching of the word. So I was like, well, I'm just going to sing my sermon. Um, But (laughs) it was this thing of... I want to activate this because I believe that God is wanting us to prepare for something and we need to be intentional about it. I don't think that that's a mistake for the last nine months that we have had the word intentional over our church. I do not believe that it's a mistake that numbers of words that have been bought this year have been on the power of your words, declaration, aligning yourself with what God's wanting to do. I do not believe that's a mistake but you don't want to be like that song that Amy Grant sang a long, long time ago called Fat Baby where you just hear and hear and hear and hear and hear and do diddly squat with it. Jesus is not coming back for an inactive bride. He's coming back for a bride that is beautiful. He's coming back for a bride that is passionately chasing after him. You're it. You might be a diamond, you might be a sequin, you might be a piece of lace, you might be just a part of beautiful fabric that is a part of that beautiful dress and that beautiful bride. You might be an eyelash, but you're part of the bride of Christ. Dare I say it? Get with the program. So what I want you to do this morning is take that which you have written down You have homework, boys and girls. Seek God for a strategy and a plan and and what have you. But most of all, find a scripture verse 
or five scripture verses or however many he gives you. Lord, what am I to declare? What am I to declare for this situation to change, for this giant to fall? What am I to declare to create space for the miracle that you're wanting to do in my own life but within the church and within this community and beyond? Do not believe that we are here just for ourselves. It's nations, people. It's nations. So why don't you just take like 60 seconds, 30 maybe? <laughs> And you might just have a word pop into your head or you might have a scripture verse pop into your head or you might get nothing and then we, that will help you in the next bit. And what I want you to do now is either the person sitting next to you or you might want to get up and move to somebody else, to somewhere else. And I ask that you be a part of this because you don't want to miss out. But I want people to go, I want you to go to somebody, whether or not it's just two people or it's a group of four or six or whatever and say, hey, this is what I need God for right now. You might be needing just God to heal some part of you. You might be needing release from stress or depression or anxiety. You might be needing something to happen in your marriage or within your family or with children that are not walking with the Lord. You might just be needing joy because you just feel like you're a pancake that's been run over by a steamroller 500 times. Whatever you need God for, I want you to get up and I want you to move to somebody or somebody's and say, this is what I need. Will you hold me accountable for how I'm going with that? Will you hold me accountable for the words that I'm speaking, the life that I'm declaring into this situation to this giant that I'm facing? Because something that I've really, really pondered on a lot over the last few weeks as Timothy's gone off to the Air Force is how within a unit, each person is individually responsible for themselves and yet they are so interdependently and interwoven and responsible for each other. And sometimes we can walk into church and we just come into church and we go out of church, but we haven't crossed paths with anybody. God doesn't want church to be like that. He wants our worship to him, our relationship with each other. So I'm going to ask you to stand. Can we get some tunes in the background just for a couple of minutes, boys? Is that easy? Or I can just jump on the piano, that's easy. but I want you to go to somebody and just say, hey, you might be a complete stranger, go make a new friend, okay? Or maybe not. Maybe you feel too vulnerable to go to somebody that you don't know well. And don't line up in front of one person so they've got 10 people to hold to account, okay? Let's get together and just, just go, hey, I need you to hold me to this. You might be struggling with an area in your life. You're, just, you're desperately going, I don't know how to get out of this, but I need God to do something and I, I need to be held to account. I remember years ago, I was really, really, really struggling in an area and I was so desperate and I was trying to do it all on my own for it to stop. And I remember one morning getting to the point of such desperation and I had Vicky Kreiner coming around for a cup of coffee and I said to her before her bottom head had even really made it to the seat at my table, I said, I need to tell you something and if I don't tell you now, I know it's going to have a hold on my life for a really long time and I just want it to be gone. 
And she sat with me and she prayed with me and she stood with me and she held me to account for a number of years afterwards. Not every, like initially every couple of days and every week and then it was every few months. But she'd just say, hey Liz, how are you going with that? God doesn't want us to think that we're doing life on our own and that we're all isolated and, and nobody cares. That's a lie from the enemy. And some of you need to know that that's a lie from the enemy. You are in this church, you are in this place this morning for a reason and a purpose. Intentionally set your heart to seek him, to align with him, to become interconnected in this place so that you are ready for all that God has for you. And I leave you with this. What if we all do this? What if we all run for the next 12 or however many weeks, three months of the year and continue to go into that which God is God in ways that we have never, ever thought, dreamt, think, ask, asked or imagined? What if... What if you take that today and God brings transformation in a way that you've not ever known before? I believe he's going to. I really believe he's going to. I'm just going to pray and then do your thing. Jesus, we thank you that you are mighty, Lord, that you are the God of the impossible. And Father, we declare that you are up to good stuff in this place. Lord, that you are bringing about the new thing. And Lord, we lay aside the old today. Father, we choose to leave it behind and Lord, to make a new way. Lord, to walk a new path, to renew our minds in you, to get into the Word, to declare with faith, not fear. For we are not given a spirit of fear, but of love, power and sound mind. And so Lord, I just release you afresh to do what you've got to do in this place this morning. In Jesus' awesome name. Amen.